How I do it. Stellate ganglion blocks for refractory ventricular electrical storm by Drs. Jackson Condry, Renuka George, and Sylvia Wilson from Medical University of South Carolina. Refractory ventricular arrhythmias, such as ventricular fibrillation, or VF, and ventricular tachycardia, or VT, are challenging clinical entities to treat. The recurrence of three or more episodes of VT-VF within a 24-hour period is known as ventricular electrical storm, or VES. Associated with increased morbidity, VES is most commonly encountered in the surgical and cardiac intensive care units, or ICUs. The mechanism behind VES is thought to be a combination of several factors and usually presents in patients with some combination of structural heart disease, an inciting trigger, and activation of sympathetic activity. The goal of treating VES is to terminate the malignant arrhythmia. Treatment is complex, requiring a multidisciplinary, multimodal approach. Pharmacologic therapy may include beta blockers, antiarrhythmic drugs, mechanical circulatory support, reprogramming of implanted cardiac devices, heavy sedation, and mechanical ventilation. Despite maximal medical therapy, episodes of VTVF sometimes persist. Neuromodulation, the reduction of the efferent sympathetic tone to the myocardium, may help suppress these refractory arrhythmias. Neuromodulation can be achieved with either a high thoracic epidural or a stellate ganglion block, or SGB. As patients with VES are often anticoagulated or have other contraindications to placement of a thoracic epidural, SGB is an attractive option for reduction in sympathetic tone in this patient population. An SGB via single injection or catheter may help bridge the patient to a more definitive therapy, such as catheter ablation, surgical sympathectomy, or even heart transplant. The regional anesthesiologist may be consulted for placement of an SGB to assist in management of patients with VES. The stellate ganglion is a bilateral structure that is formed from the inferior cervical and first thoracic sympathetic ganglia. It is usually located at the level of C7 or T1 between the longus coli muscle and carotid artery, lateral to the vertebral body. The stellate ganglion provides efferent sympathetic outflow to the myocardium, upper extremity, neck, and face. It is important to note that the left stellate ganglion contributes more to the sympathetic tone of the myocardium, and for this reason, a left SGB is preferred for the indication of VES. There are many vital structures in the vicinity of the stellate ganglion, such as the carotid artery, internal jugular vein, thyroid gland, vertebral artery and vein, brachial plexus, and the trachea. Careful continuous needle visualization is required to avoid injury to one of these structures. Despite the proximity of the stellate ganglion to large vascular and neural structures, the technical performance of the SGB is similar to other regional anesthetic techniques. Thus, the skill set of the regional anesthesiologist is uniquely suited to SGB placement. In our institution, the critical care team consults the regional anesthesia team when they have a patient in VES who may benefit from SGB placement. 
performance of the SGB requires care but is relatively straightforward. The block is performed with the patient in the supine position and for reasons described above, blockade of the left stellate ganglion is preferred. The patient's head should be turned to the right side and the ultrasound placed opposite the anesthesiologist performing the block in an unobstructed area to provide ease of visualization. The left side of the neck should be prepped and draped in the usual sterile fashion. A high-frequency 6 to 15 MHz linear array ultrasound probe is used to identify the target area at the level of C6 by identifying the C6 nerve root of the brachial plexus via a transverse orientation, similar to the sonography of an interscalene block. Once the interscalene view has been identified, the C7 root can be visualized along with the vertebral artery, using color Doppler if needed, at the inferior portion of the screen. From here, the linear probe should be advanced in a cephalad fashion until the vertebral artery is no longer seen and the characteristic shape of the C6 transverse process comes into view. With the ultrasound placed on the anterolateral surface of the neck in a transverse orientation, the stellate ganglion lies deep to the anterior scalene muscle and carotid artery, superficial to the longus coli muscle and anteromedial to the C7 or T1 transverse process. While planning the path of the needle, we recommend turning on color Doppler to verify that no vessels lie in the trajectory. The stellate ganglion is usually located at C7 or T1, but injecting local anesthetic at the level of C6 will result in caudad spread to the stellate ganglion. The vertebral artery and vein exit the bony protection of the vertebral foramen at the level of C7, and as a result, injection below C6 may carry a greater risk of vascular puncture and should be avoided. Once the target area has been visualized and a needle trajectory planned, the needle is advanced utilizing an in-plane approach in a lateral to medial fashion with constant visualization. After careful aspiration, we inject 10 cc's of ropivacaine, 0.25%. A low concentration and low volume of local anesthetic is used for the block to reduce the risk of local anesthetic systemic toxicity or LAST. As these patients may already be on a lidocaine infusion for suppression of ventricular arrhythmias, at our institution, we favor placing a catheter after the initial bolus to continue local anesthetic delivery and provide prolonged suppression of VES, while the ICU team, cardiology, and other teams formulate a plan for more definitive management. Continuous local anesthetic infusion with catheter placement may reduce the need for repeat SGB, and catheters may be used to bolus local anesthetic should VES recur. After the initial ropivacaine bolus, we thread a catheter and initiate an infusion of ropivacaine 0.2% at a rate of 5 milliliters per hour alone or 1 milliliter per hour for catheter patency, with a programmed intermittent bolus of 10 milliliters every 2 hours. While our team does not advocate for prolonged peripheral nerve block catheters greater than 7 days, the unique nature of these patients 
necessitates discussion between the managing teams on length of catheter continuation based on treatment plan. Adverse effects of SGB can be mitigated with proper attention to detail. As mentioned above, excellent needle visualization is necessary to avoid injury to any of the neurovascular structures in the vicinity of the stellate ganglion, especially as patients with VES are frequently anticoagulated. Phrenic and recurrent laryngeal nerve paresis can occur with the SGB, and bilateral SGBs should be avoided unless the patient is already intubated and a left-sided SGB has failed to achieve arrhythmia suppression. Development of Horner's syndrome with ipsilateral ptosis, meiosis, and anhydrosis due to sympathectomy from the block is indicative of a working block. However, Horner's syndrome can be nonspecific and can also be difficult to observe in sedated, intubated ICU patients. Hematoma is a potential risk, although we have not experienced this at our institution, even with patients usually receiving anticoagulation. Finally, aspiration prior to any injection of local anesthetic is crucial, as even small amounts of local anesthetic injected into the vertebral artery may result in neurologic symptoms of local anesthetic systemic toxicity, such as seizures. Coordination between care teams is essential. Patients are typically in the ICU with intensivists, cardiothoracic surgeons, and cardiologists collaborating on the patient's care. We have developed an SGB management pathway at our institution, primarily for the purpose of reducing risk of last in patients who are receiving concurrent lidocaine infusions and to manage ventricular arrhythmias should they recur. In conclusion, SGB is a valuable addition to the regional anesthesiologist's armamentarium and can serve as a bridge to more definitive therapy for refractory ventricular arrhythmias. Thank you for listening. If you liked this episode of ASRA Pain Medicine News, please consider subscribing, sharing with a friend, or leaving us a review.